0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 29th of October 2019 and here is my very much long-living co-host Jan.
1: Very much long-living. My God, you've been talking to my wife, haven't you?
0: (laughs) I plead the fifth.
1: (laughs) Funnily so did she. No, uh, let's not go there. Welcome Dave. How are you today? I am very good and very alive, we're both alive, my goodness, gracious, so something must have died it's only It's only when something dies that people start thinking about their own mortality and are so happy to be alive so did something so die? what
0: died today? <laughs> well, what died well, today again and
1: again and again and again,
0: apparently, Hadoop is dead. who sunk yes. it but this time, yeah, this time it's it's actually someone proclaiming it who you know, knows a little bit about the space, some might say. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? So this is the uh, the article that did the rounds um, back in early September. Um, and this is Aaron Murphy with a Medium article uh, titled Hadoop is Dead, Long Live Hadoop. Now, I uh, think it's fair to say that this article is is really, uh, it's prettying up what you and I have been saying for quite Quite like some time, yes. But maybe before we get into the depth of it, maybe talk
1: about who Arun is, because I mean, you know him, I know him, but maybe not everybody knows him. Go for it. Me, okay. Well, Arun actually wrote a book about yarn, and people in the hoop space should know what yarn is. It's the orchestrator that's at the core of it. At least used to be at the center of it, because now they're talking about the pricing about Kubernetes, I guess. But anyway, Arun has been, uh, he was at Hortonworks, I think. That's where he started his uh, big Hadoop uh, career, although I don't know where he came from before that, to be honest. But he's been very vocal, and now I guess he is CTO at Cloudera or something like that. He's actually high up in the, sh- in the chain there anyway. Make sense?
0: Makes sense to me. <laughs> I made sense today, make a note. So yeah, but so, as you said, go ahead. Yeah. So the uh, the interesting thing here is is obviously first of all the, the the picture at the at the top of the article I find quite amusing because it's it, it's the least Hadoop image I can possibly think of. It's a, a hiker majestically stood at the peak of a hilltop, glancing over this amazing landscape that looks like it could be uh, I, I don't know. Um,
1: it's all in the little words at the bottom of this image, right, cloud, well within the horizon. And if you yeah. go to the article. I mean, it's also something we've been saying earlier already, that cloud has been, I'm not going to say detrimental to Hadoop, because in my opinion, Hadoop still isn't dead, and basically the article also agrees with that, to be honest. But cloud has very much changed the way Hadoop-like things are happening today. Yeah, indeed
0: so there's, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of different views that are sort of uh, talked about here but the the main one is about the fact that the core sort of concept around Hadoop being this monolithic structure that's really the thing that is quote unquote dead um, and instead you know what has replaced that well it's a uh, And let me just make sure I've got the particular quote correct. It's a disaggregated stack with each layer um, being built as composable Legos. So for those that have a little bit of trouble parsing that, essentially anything, storage, compute, the compute frameworks, batch, real-time, SQL, they could be completely separate technologies from completely separate organizations potentially or services from other organizations and you literally just pick and choose the different elements um, that you're particularly interested in for your use case
1: yeah and actually I don't like that one <laughs> because uh, that's actually then uh, how do you call that an uh, ex- extrapolation from a one paragraph earlier statement by Harun, I'm assuming here, is personally, Hadoop is a philosophy, a movement towards a modern architecture for managing and analyzing data. And I think that's a better way of looking at it because the thing about the disaggregated software stack of Lego blocks well, you can very well say that that is what Hadoop always has been. If you went to the Cloudera or the Hortonwork stack, what did you get? A bunch of Lego blocks, we called it a framework, which you could pick and choose what you want to use. So the, even though it was a Lego stack, it was a Lego stack that was pushed together in a monolithical whole.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I would argue that it's the dis- disaggregated piece that I ah, don't know sort that of word. changes um whereas i think i have a bit of an issue with the quote above um okay. the hadoop being a philosophy but I, I it's not that i disagree with it i just think it's so woolly and wishy-washy that it doesn't actually tell you anything yeah, you know, which is what makes for a great quote but it doesn't actually doesn't inform you as to what it actually means i think that the the latter quotes further on down make a bit more sense
1: Yeah, but for me, I think it should be wishy-washy-wolly because Hadoop no longer is a, in my opinion, concrete thing, but more a way of thinking. It's a bit like DevOps versus system admins. That's Mm -hmm. also more of a philosophy than something else. It's a way of thinking about doing something. And Hadoop, well, at the core of it, I mean, we all still remember, I hope that Hadoop used to be HDFS, MapReduce, and that was pretty much it, I think. There was a a two things that comprised Hadoop and then it started blossoming. That was concrete. There was two uh, GitHub projects, Apache projects, sorry, that were put together to do storage and analytics in a very good way in those days, long time ago. But since then, a lot through marketing hype and uh, Hadoop washing, big data washing, I mean, it is no, uh, in my opinion, it is no longer concrete. It is just a way of thinking about Big data things, and cloud definitely changed that as well, because I talked to a customer yesterday. They have, we have a big data platform. Okay, what is it? S3. Yeah, that's a big data storage (laughs) layer. That's not enough to say big data, but that's just how they look. It's just my garbage bag where I throw all my data in. Um, And is that Hadoop? Well, if you think of Hadoop as a philosophy where you store all your data and you drop nothing uh, on the floor because you can't store it because it's too expensive... Then yeah, I guess S three can be seen it's as a component of, of a big data yeah, platform. But it could be the only one you use. Uh,
0: I no, I would I At would disagree with time. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I, so I would, I would I would say that there has to be some there has to be something that that brings data into the platform, and possibly something that reads data in the platform. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't need anything that you know writes data out from the platform. Wow. But I, I think I think if you're talking about a big data platform, it, it's more than just uh, uh, it's more than just a yeah. It's it more a just a well. around. Yeah, it needs to be yeah, something, yeah.
1: some something analytical
0: happening with that data, or else why the hell are you saving that data in the first place? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I do I do like the um, I do like the idea around this sort of this concept of anybody being able to decide well this this is my particular mm-hmm. big exactly. data platform the, these are the technologies that make sense but i i actually wonder whether we've sort of slightly missed the boat here Probably. and a, a lot of people think of or are now trying to portray hadoop as this philosophy for working which is many different components blah 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 mm-hmm. But um, one of the, the things that I quite like about the the article was that it talked about um, this really just being um, to data architectures what the um, sort of the Unix philosophy is to software development. And that, to me, makes much more sense. You know, the, the whole thing around the Unix philosophy is have multiple small purpose-built tools, but, you know, design them in a way that you can hook them together to provide complex functionality. So yeah, but then you go into which, which the field of microservices. Um, yeah, maybe, but then I, I, that's not necessarily the case. You you're talking about whether you whether you go down into the detail of what's a microservice and what isn't a microservice. Mm-hmm. You're still talking about a number of different components that that individually provide functionality and yet together provide a greater function. To me, that's the Unix philosophy. So could we say that Hadoop is dead and Unix is alive? Uh, Well, Unix has been dead for a while. Now Linux is alive. (laughs) <laughs> but but we'll Linux all your follows. To me, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but but Linux follows in a lot of cases the Unix philosophy. Uh, so yep. so is yeah, is yeah. is Unix actually, despite the fact that we thought it was dead a decade ago, is is actually Unix still alive?
1: Well, it's definitely a philosophy that survived, because if you look at uh, Windows, for instance, and I know a little thing about Windows, but really not enough, and i like to keep it that way, uh, it also has moved away from that monolithical thing it used to be in the 3.1 days to a much more uh, disaggregated, I think the word is, uh, component-level thing. Again, because manageability, maintainability, it's just the way that these things work. And yeah, obviously Hadoop being built in, uh, in a patch environment with open source software was very much Linux connected. So obviously it was built in that way as well.
0: Yeah, so there we go.
1: But one thing I, w- I was going to change on the quote there, because I agree with you that the quote does make not that much sense it should, and that's the Hadoop word in there. Because Hadoop still rings off a product or a project at least. And I was thinking, could you say big data is a philosophy? I think that brings more truth. But big I data think has been that's s- a really good point. But it's been so much abused already as a term big data that it also has become meaningless. So I've been kind of, I'm not going to say racking my brain because I like my brain and I don't like to rack it, but finding another word than Hadoop in there to describe this whole yeah, modern architecture of data architecture. And the closest thing I got to was the data ops thing. Uh, we had the conversation with Chris Berg a while ago about mm. data ops. And basically... That gets close again, but still doesn't really cover it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think what we've landed on is really Hadoop is dead. Long live Unix.
1: <laughs> oh, man. As long as you don't bring in mainframes, <laughs> I'm okay with it, okay?
0: Okay. Deal. <laughs> Although mainframe uploading
1: with... The, no, sorry.
0: <laughs> moving on, moving on. So, next up... Our favorite, favorite, uh, in your words, I believe, junk news platform, Facebook. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's one way of making me litigational <laughs> or litigated or whatever. I mean, it's Facebook. They know everything. You, you can't just say that and say that I did that, even though I probably did, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, yeah, we're not going to be talking about Facebook itself, but about Libra, uh, the cryptocurrency that Facebook is trying to, uh, uh, can I say, force upon the wor- uh, world? I don't know. But it's it's. I think
0: I think that they want to offer it as a gift. They want to release it on the world. Yes, a gift free. that keeps on
1: taking. Right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been in the news for a while now, and uh, yeah. I mean, we don't talk about uh, cryptocurrency and oh god, Shudder, blockchain as much on this but pod- podcast because basically, I have some views about it that aren't maybe publish worthy. But the Libra thing is bigger than just cryptocurrency. It's about a company becoming a bank. And when Libra got um, got got presented to the world, it was actually not Facebook, but a consortium of people that were doing the Libra thing. And that consortium included some big names like PayPal. Uh, I'm not sure if LinkedIn was in there, but MasterCard and Visa were in there. And those are really big financial companies at this point in time, modern uh, financial companies, let's say. And those have been dropping off the Libra consortium in the last couple of weeks, making people believe that Libra will never see the light of day. But uh, Facebook came back and said, no, no, it's going to happen. We're going to go through it. We've still got a gazillion other companies interested to make this happen. And if you look at the list, yes, they still have a list of companies, but nothing really in that uh, major league where a MasterCard or a Visa would be placed. And now... It kind of made me think uh, a bit about, is this something that the world really needs? A currency that will be pretty much competing with national currencies, if I can call it that. And I think the term is sovereign currency. Sovereign currency, thank you. And controlled by a company that is not exactly known for its ethics and integrity, perhaps. I may say that somewhat carefully but does have a huge influence and effect on the masses out there. I mean, I don't have Facebook messages on my phone, and I think I'm the only person I know, except maybe you, who doesn't have yep. Facebook on there. So this is something that's big. And I really want to know what your views are not
0: well yeah, I there's there's a number of things that I think are particularly disturbing about this. One is as as you say that I mean they're trying to create their own sort of financial essentially financial walled garden yep. is what it looks like from the outside and i i have no you know I, I have relatively little information around what you know what their goal is and what they're trying to do if you look at the some of the quotes in the article, mm. they do say that just, they're not... I just want to interrupt there. That's actually a yep. very good
1: uh, phrase you put there because that's exactly why Mark Zuckerberg has to testify <laughs> across whatever this is, uh, uh, America's leadership, whatever, con- Congress, to explain yep. to him what he wants to do with it because they don't really tell us. But please, go ahead.
0: So the, the whole thing that I'm concerned about is that they if you look at other organizations that have been in this space, so the article talks about uh, PayPal having Venmo, Apple Pay, um, and uh, Square Cash, those are um, completely, or those are self-contained currency systems, but they actually are they function with government backed sovereign currencies yes. I think apple so it's Pay is not just a,
1: how you connect your credit card to an apple phone basically it's not their own cryptocurrency,
0: yeah. is it? exactly exactly so what that what's not clear is why why cryptocurrency needs to be part of this and i think some of this comes into that that whole idea around a walled garden they want to Control. be the sole yeah they want to be the sole arbitrator of this now what is what's not clear to me at all is just how much regulation this would uh, attract because if they are essentially becoming not just their own bank but the one and only bank that you that's know people in that mind. ecosystem yeah that's that's a complete global economy i mean surely that should that should require massive regulation and my my guess is that they they Trying to do something to ensure that they uh, are doing this outside of mm-hmm. um incredibly heavy scrutiny fun fact, Libra has been uh, incorporated
1: in Switzerland mm. <laughs>
0: Guess what Home that country is famous for um, chocolate mountains but I think what we what we're concerned about here is um this is a, a very difficult direction that um that they're trying to go down. And I I, I just cannot see that people will actually let this happen mm-hmm. because I, I I cannot imagine that um People will just hand over the reins of their economy to a completely or relatively unregulated organization because that's what this would essentially le- or could ah, essentially lead to.
1: I'm one hundred percent certain that people will gladly do it. Governments hopefully won't.
0: Okay, yeah. Because the
1: person is smart, people are stupid. I heard are, that somewhere, and governments are yeah. a masses of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Governments are made of people. That's the problem. <laughs> Bit yeah. Like Soylent Green.
1: It's just, it's a politic thing, right? I mean, people hate government because they make you pay taxes. And what do we get for my taxes? I pay all this money and I get nothing in return from it. Yes, you get health benefits if you're in a somewhat educated country. There's a lot of things coming back from a government as well. And yes, they're corrupt and they're doing stupid things. Yes, obviously. Because they're made of people. uh, Because they're made of people. But on a whole, without governments, I think we would not exactly be better off, at least in most parts of the world. Uh, Let's not go into those. places of hellfire, but people, uh, I mean, we want privacy. I don't want the bank to know where I live and how much money I get into my account each day for my employee, but I will put it on Facebook. Yeah, happily, no problem. People are going to go for this massively. And actually, one of the things I read a couple of weeks ago was an article that explained that uh, Facebook, amongst others, uh, like Google and Microsoft, I guess as well, are at the moment uh, very big in developing the internet in the third world countries, like Africa, where basically they own the internet and they pretty much control what happens. If a Facebook, which has a pretty big uh, presence there already, is able to just... Shower these people with ads about their Libra currency, and they—the first signals there were that we're going to present it as a kind of a loyalty card system, where if you do twenty likes, you get twenty Libra cents, whatever, <laughs> and then you can use that to buy extra time on your phone uh, plan, things, stuff like that, just to get people hooked into it. I guarantee you, ninety percent of people going to do it. Indeed governments of course don't like it that much and that's why france already said that it's never going to happen if uh, i think there's a law in the making that's going to uh, prohibit anything like this uh, us and eu already have uh, given uh, has said they have great misgivings about it so yeah apparently in this case government is doing their job that being said is that true or should we just trust in facebook and people or organizations like it to take over the financial markets
0: yeah, well I know I know where my thoughts lie on this. Um but uh yes, let's 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 move on to uh to something a little bit more lighthearted.
1: Yeah, walking into land lamp posts and stuff.
0: <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when I read this. <laughs> so we're talking about um an Ars Technica article. Uh that's the, actually I think it's Would you call that? Would you call that a a postscript? Is lookout or not? Microsoft's Dreamwalker VR turns your daily commute into a totally different one. Um, Essentially, augmented reality is what we're talking about here. Um, And uh, this this article made me chuckle for so many reasons, (laughs) but uh, one of them is definitely the uh, very sleek and um, (laughs) minimalist, stylish. um, I would say stylish. Oh yeah, definitely stylish <laughs> equipment that you that you would be wearing. So full blown kind of VR headset, um, a a back a GPU backpack computer, which presumably has a pretty hefty chunk of battery, yeah. out, and uh, and a mobile phone that is actually strapped to the um, the uh, the shoulder strap of the rucksack. It's a it's a very very trendy bit of kit. Uh, and very, you know, very unobtrusive. You can barely tell he's wearing anything. It's got that industrial look to it. Um, <laughs> sure, it looks like something out of that Tom Cruise film. Anyway, um, the the thing that I, I thought was interesting about this is obviously it's it's designed to give you a. An alternate view of the world when you're sort of walking on your daily commute. Bear in mind, this is definitely walking. Please, for the love of God, don't try and use this in a car. <laughs> um, <laughs> horrors would ensue, I'm sure. But this is—it's um, kind of interesting. Augmented reality has been uh, around for quite some time, but there have been quite a, quite a few studies of late of things that have worked and have not worked so for example there was a um, there was a google study that um, they had an augmented reality assistant that was supposed to sort of you know on their google glass give you a, an augmented reality sort of uh, view of the world and guide you you know using google maps um, to your destination but the problem is that the I think the early iterations, the early beaters of this, it had a fox because they thought well, you know, foxes are smart and cute and stuff like that. So, but people um, naturally imbue some sort of oh, this is my you know my smart guide. He must know amazing things <laughs> about the way that we're going to go. And actually, of course, it's not. It's it's just the it's just a skin for the same kind of voice commands and map overlay that you already get. So actually, it's just as Dumb as as ordinary um, but, but it's, it's, it's navigation. AI.
1: It's AI. It's got to be smart, Oh, uh,
0: dear. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, so the this the problem was that this this was uh, a bit of a failure. So they've actually gone away from that uh, that direction. And with this system, um, you know, I, I I think similar things. I, I'm very concerned. I mean, obviously, things like um, you know, lampposts and other people and that sort of thing. I'm assuming are all represented in other interesting ways. So instead of people walking towards you, it'll be a a field of blue aliens or who knows what. Maybe you, you can presumably uh, set different different modes for this. But uh, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of one of these things that I would very much like to try but would, would have absolutely no confidence using in in the real world for any length of time. Yeah, uh, what I actually find worrying
1: is that the last image on the the five-image list at the top of the article there is actually a demonstration of how they're intending to use this to fool and trick the user of it. Because it's a storyline about distracting the user's attention so they can change something in what he's seeing. <laughs> Yep. To help him, of course. To help him, obviously. I mean, Indeed. we didn't block out this McDonald's and make this Big Mac uh, sign vague, while this uh, Wendy's burger became very bright. suddenly. that's that's nothing they want to do with this. Obviously, sorry, I'm <laughs> having my tin hat on here. <laughs> Just, I, I mean, was it, triggered by this image.
0: <laughs> it's 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 perfectly reasonable. I mean, the uh, you can you can the you can look at a few um, conversations that have been around um pokemon go uh which is you know very very popular augmented reality um product mm-hmm. with both um accidents that have happened from people using it while not paying attention to the real world but also there have been some let's say interesting conspiracy theories about the locations that you can get certain rare pokemon no oh, it not um, conspiracy. And it's been confirmed it's been confirmed yeah, but and and how how those are tied into advertising revenue from those organisations or companies or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I I think it it's there's a lot that augmented reality has the ability to influence. It's again you a know?
1: control factor. Like if they control what you yeah. hear and what you see, you will get led. Even the smartest people are are led by peer pressure. by things, I mean, if everybody's wearing red, I guess I should be wearing red too. It's, it's normal, it's how people are built, it's instinctive. Yeah. Now one thing I wanna add and here, before we go into very dark territory here, is that I used to work at Microsoft, and I know they were working on a lot of stuff for uh, visually impaired and hearing impaired people to make them mm-hmm. um, navigate the world more freely or safely, and this does look a little bit like a, sp- I'm not gonna call it a spin-off, but at least in the re- same relation, because I saw similar setups that were actually built for people with bad vision and the goggles gave them uh, accentuated, okay, here is a a road, be careful. Here is a step, be careful. And Mm. same with the audio things, having audio cues when a car was in vision but not yet in sound reach, there was a kind of augmented vroom vroom sound, I guess. I don't know. So they were already working on that angle. This looks like a more, can I say, gamification way of doing this. Yeah. And my last question here is What's so horrible in the US that you can't even be trusted
0: to just look around outside <laughs> anymore? <laughs> what are they trying to hide? Uh, well, okay, so here's, here's another question um, Where on earth are people going to walk? There's no pedestrian <laughs> sort of areas in the US anyway. Oh, dear. It's Sorry, for the US, all of so our US listeners, it's for car drivers, Sorry. obviously. God, could you could you imagine augmented? Well, actually, there have been. Um, I'll try and find a link in the show notes. To there, there are actually have been augmented reality um, driving um, mm-hmm. additions. And, and why do you think um, they I make self driving cars? So I think it was Peugeot <laughs> or Citroen, one of the two. I'll I'll find a link to the video. It well, was actually quite entertaining. The one but, I liked yeah. very much,
1: actually, which actually was a good one, was I think it was a Range Rover. Who had uh, heads-up displays on the on the, the front windscreen? I guess it's called uh, the, the front window. And what they did actually was give you view from the cameras that were underneath the car, so you could look straight through your bonnet to watch the road there. <laughs> That's thoroughly disturbing. It actually, I mean, prob- I don't know if the YouTube video was fixed or not, but it looked actually very believable. Like, oh my yeah. god, there's, there's no engine in this car.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's got so there you go. Already augmented reality way of the future way of the future hide, that mean don't hide have to look your, at your face anymore hide your horrible surroundings with That's what puppies saying. and <laughs> flowers and <laughs> everything else, yes, thank you
1: <laughs> I'm playing d I want to see monsters I want to have, uh, what's that show again, the the, 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 the throne thing the iron throne thing I will forget the name, I want to have all of those people running around in my view and not that normal people okay oh i know that's when you do these presentations you have to imagine the, the audience naked so you're less nervous <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you imagine standing on stage with all of that equipment on you, you'd you look like a complete moron yes but considering
1: all of the people in the audience would also be wearing that get up and looking at you as a pluto or a donald duck or
0: whatever they wouldn't see it see it solves the problem it's created the And obviously the the one major issue is that your talk can only be kind of 30 minutes long because then the batteries run out. Uh, 30 minutes is a long time. I don't think they'll get that far (laughs) with all that equipment. (laughs) All right. Anything else from you?
1: Nope. And if you're happy with this... I am. Then that is all the time you have for today. You can support this podcast, you can become a patron Every contribution helps. Thank you, our patrons, we like you. We are on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and notifi- use the notification bell make Dave happy. Please go to www.roilingelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and the YouTube page, and you can find more information about the podcast there. You can follow us on Twitter using the attitude cast tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at roilingelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Jon.
0: And my name is Dave.
1: And I look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye.
0: See you then.